today, good morning, on Sometimes, we'll talk about the news, we'll talk about why is everyone so sad? You are, we are, let's do this. And joining me today is my my official co-host, the man in the mirror, but like the comedy mirror with me, my good, good friend, a one Dominic Syracuse. Dominic, how are you? What's up? What's up? Good morning. Good morning. This Got is my pumpkin spice coffee. I'm feeling good. This is this is. It's strange for me to not say like tonight on the Sometime Show. Yeah. Uh, we were we were like sound checking beforehand, and that was the first thing I accidentally said. I was like, tonight on Sometimes. Oh man, I got the yeah, new title right. But not it's the this new. morning on Sometimes Podcast. This is the very first official episode, besides a little 15-minute thing I did on Podbean to be able to send it off to the different subscription services to get approved. Funny enough, iTunes we're still waiting on. Uh, and, and the whole reason, I think a lot of people might wonder, why isn't this just called The Sometimes Show? Or even The Sometimes Podcast? And... Uh, there's a very simple reason for that, and that is that when I went and looked at all of the top podcasts across, uh, uh, like iTunes and Spotify and everything, almost none of them had the word show or podcast in the title. And I'm not saying that that means this doesn't have the potential to be the number one podcast in the world for that reason. It's probably our personalities that will prevent that, but... I uh, yeah, I was just like, all right, all right. So we Correct. need something simpler, something more plain, more. And I just went with. So what if? What if instead of the sometimes show, we just went with sometimes? So welcome to sometimes, and we do it in the morning when uh, Dom and I both need to get our creative juices flowing, if you will, if that isn't too visceral an image. I'm aware that yeah. there are less people uh, hanging out right now in the morning. I mean, we haven't even broken 100 people streaming uh, yet at the moment, and that's that's a little bit uh, uh, different. But I, I do just want to say to those people who are watching live on YouTube, because we decided to do the premiere there, uh, make sure you check links down below to the different podcast providers we are on right now. We'll be on iTunes soon. But uh, if you jump down there, you'll be able to to, to follow us because we're not we're definitely not going to be streaming here every day. Right now, the plan is to be doing this show most days, Monday through Thursday. Uh, and so so get get following over there. Perhaps the best place to follow if you don't mind doing a new app if you don't have it already might be directly on Podbean because there's probably a plan in the future to do this completely live on Podbean each day and then upload it to all of the other locations. Uh, anyway, how was your Columbus slash indigenous peoples slash Italian American peoples day? It, uh, that was yesterday. Was yesterday Italian American people's day? So there are places that have changed it where it's now, uh, instead of Columbus day, they replace that with Italian Americans day or Italian heritage day. And they do like an Italian, which is much, much more palatable. Like I was, I was seeing, which is weird. Cause Columbus was Spanish. No, he was Italian. 
He was Italian. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's the whole reason there is a Columbus Day. It wasn't actually because the United States likes Columbus. In fact, I kind of talked about this a little bit in the episode I did responding to Matt Walsh yesterday with his tweets. Uh, basically, we did a, a t- uh, it. It was meant to be a holiday for Italians to get them to feel a little bit more welcome in the country. There was different discrimination tactics going on at the at the time. They were feeling very low morale in the uh, in in the United States, and so yeah, this it was actually a holiday created for them uh, and and all behind How Columbus. Fascinating. Yeah. How fascinating. Well, because I always thought. Columbus was sailing on behalf of Spain. Uh, I believe he left Spain and certainly left Europe. I don't remember the whole story, but the guy himself, certainly Italian. That's uh, a, because I know that America, at least the Americas, was named after Americo Vespucci, which is the most Italian name next to uh, Giovanni Ribisi, which, of course, is the sure. actor from gone in 60 seconds yeah, yeah yeah well you could get a little more italian like somebody could be could be named like Ratat- ragatoni fettuccine parmesan uh, <laughs> That's right. that ragatoni would be a little Fettuccini's bit a very italian guy my father my grandfather actually is was named uh umovino umovino seragusa yeah is a very italian name yeah, and, and kind of the, one of the things I was talking about is, like, everybody's pretty okay with there being an attack. Like, what – we have celebrations for every people, and it's much easier to go with a people than to go with, like, an individual. Because with a people, certainly you ignore – you can celebrate a people and go, like, we're not going to hone in on the worst things they've ever done. Like, we're not going to come to Oktoberfest and be like, but you Germans remember the 40s, right? right. Uh, you know, it's it's – and. And and we just straight up pretend that St. Patrick was a good dude. Uh, so it's like, I mean, that guy was murdering druids. What are we talking right, about? Right, it, it, so right. when you make when you make an event more about a people, uh, which I guess St. Patrick's Day isn't a good example of that. It's kind of, but it's it's a little bit easier for people to palate and celebrate and enjoy. Uh, and and so so having it be Italian American Day actually, if you want to celebrate, if you want to do something for Italians, make it about Italians, not about this one guy who, by the way, here's the funny thing: we're talking about like Confederate soldiers and how it's time for those to come down, and and that it's not a part of our history. That's a part of the traitors' history. Like that's the history of the people we went to war with. And and I was talking about this when I was responding to this conservative Twitter page for this guy called Matt Walsh, who is just a nightmare of a human being. Uh, and and the funny thing is, is like, he's there, I love the civilization that Columbus established. Columbus established our civilization. It's like, I thought we kicked out the civilization that he established at the revolution. What are you talking yeah. about? The civilization, mm. we were and like, oh, you guys are acting like it's such a big deal, you know, that he was some tyrant or whatever. Yeah, he was so tyrannical that we kicked out, like, we, the current Americans, our ancestors were like, this civilization is too tyrannical. And as I kind of yeah. mentioned on there, but our problem with that was that they were taking our money, not that they were harming brown people. Because in the past, in America, harming brown people just isn't really going to get a lot of people to go to war uh, or to do any it, it, real significant activism, not in this right. United States. Anyway. Well, that, it, and yeah, it wasn't. I mean, that's it, 
it's like time honored through history. But the, I think when people like that, you know, like the Matt Walsh is the one and I've never even, I've never listened to him. I don't really give him any time or attention, but I've heard the argument so often really what they're against is it's very simple. It's just change. It's just the fact that they grew up from the time they were a child having Columbus day, learning about Columbus in 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. And that was that it was a sense of normalcy and, when people decide they want to change something, really what they're freaking out about is normalcy and all of the normalcy tied into that. It's They're freaking out because something they know and they're used to and they're comfortable with is changing. And so when that happens, you can, you can paint it with whatever pseudo intellectual fodder you want. Like, Oh, I appreciate what has been established. But at the end of the day, no, what, what you're really saying is i was born and we celebrated Columbus Day and in school we learned about Columbus and now you're telling me things I know and am used to are wrong and have to change and I don't like that. So I'm going to defend somebody from 600 years ago. Yeah, I, I don't know if I think it's actually that deep with a lot of the vocal ones. I think with a lot of the followers they get, it's like, oh, this guy's afraid of change, so he's easy to get as a follower. But I actually think that a lot of the stuff might be a little more sinister. I think that when you like go through all these tweets, the guy was literally asking, like, and what have indigenous people ever done anyway that we should celebrate? I, I, I think there's much more sinister... Yikes. Yeah, motivations when that's the that's the kind of thing happening. Uh, but I, and before we get to our topic today that we want to talk about, uh, we basically it, it, it's there's certainly a lot that's reminiscent of the sometime show. I want to start off talking about some of the stuff that's happening in the news, and it'll tie into the main topic of each day. But there is some wild stuff going on, and Dom, I don't know if if you had heard about this. Did you know that? Donald Trump hasn't officially uh, said he's going to run, but has said basically all but. However, he's trying to make sure that he doesn't officially become a presidential campaign because the moment that happens, there are benefits, but you do it too early and the restrictions that actually happen can be a, a, a little bit of a thing. So they're, they're a little bit, uh, I guess obtrusive, it, it, obstructive. They, they, they want to wait until the right moment. Plus, there's a chance, and I don't know whether this is going to happen or not, but I kind of think that maybe they're waiting until after the midterms, because if they do it before the midterms officially announce the campaign, you can say like, aha, the campaigner in chief there, even if they lose a big in the midterms, then it's easier to blame Donald Trump. But it seems like he really can't resist, like he's not going to be able to hold back much longer. All of that to say, they are still testing out things. And I don't know if you have seen already that they are testing out a new slogan for the Donald Trump campaign. And I say this like, have you heard about this? Have you heard about this? As though I didn't tell you about it last night. And now you're trying to decide, like, am I meant am I meant to pretend to be ignorant of this because no, he is I'm, trying to set this up? There's, there's, there's part of me that, that wants to be like. What is it? Jimmy? What are you talking? It's like on those talk shows whenever like they ask a question that is strangely specific, uh, yes. and and then all, the and the, the sudden 
All of a sudden, Jimmy Kimmel knows what you did last week. Oh, I understand you were walking your dog last week. Yeah, yeah. Or it'll just be like... And dive into your bit. Or it'll, it'll be like they have a story. The celebrity wants to tell a story about winter coats. And then they like, hey, you know what I was just thinking about? I just like, I just like love winter coats. What about you? Do you like uh, <laughs> do you like winter and, coats? And we so, never we never question it. We're like, oh wow, so funny and pretending to be unrehearsed. You should mention that. Exactly. Anyway, there is a new slogan. This isn't a joke. They are testing out. I hope that enough people make fun of it that it doesn't become the slogan. Actually, kind of. I hope it does become the slogan. But they are testing out the slogan: "Make America Great Again." Again, as opposed to, or uh, uh, like the old one was make America great again. Now it's make America great again, again. Now people might be wondering if they're hearing the sentence, is he saying that it's going to be make America great again, again, that, that it's going, no, 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 no. The slogan has again in it twice. I have, I have to say my feelings on this is that I actually think that it is uh, I think that it's kind of a slogan that works for me because the old slogan was MAGA. And this one feels more accurate because it's more like now it's like MAG. Ah! That's that's why I did pull the mic away so it is to not destroy anybody's ears, I hope. But yeah, Mike, ah! it's MAG. Ah! I, I just love <clears throat> I, I I think that that is gonna work way, way better for me. I don't know about y'all. Anyway, that's the new slogan they're testing out is mag mag how how are the it's really funny because all of these all of these people who say the exact same things and follow the one leader keep talking about how they're not sheep. And you almost think that the quiet way to say this slogan will be mag like <laughs> well. That's pretty funny. Um, well, here's what really bothers me. Like, I felt this way during the majority of the Trump presidency. Yeah. And and now with, with its potential resurgence. Uh, potential. I mean, remember, I think he's running. I definitely think do, he's going to well, run. Yeah. Yeah. Do you do you do you remember when irony existed? Do you remember that? Like, do you remember in the far off time when, okay, yeah. let me just put it to you like this. Ten, like 10 years ago, not even, uh, but let's just say 10 because it's a round number. 10 years ago, if somebody was making a movie about a political campaign and they decided that their slogan was going to be make America great again, again. Right. That would clearly be like a satirical, hilarious yeah. joke that you would see in like a Naked Gun movie or, uh, uh, you know, yeah. uh, so, some kind of some kind of thing to where everybody collectively laughs at just the silliness and right. ridiculousness of that. Like, oh, my gosh, it's so funny. They said again twice, make America great again, again. I mean, that's like something you'd see out of Parks and Rec. Or, or something yeah. like that, and and now and now the thing is is it's reality, right? Reality and now my, Trump satire, and I use it, the yes. word Trumps on purpose. Exactly, and yeah. the thing is is that you look at it, and my first instinct is to laugh, and then I realize that people are serious about it, and 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 then I get sad. I get immediately sad. 
Like, yeah. Or, or, or scared. Like, you have to forgive me. My nose running like crazy right now. Do you, um, do you wonder if it, if it became the slogan as an accident and in reality, Donald Trump is just getting old and having mini strokes where he's just like, okay, we're going to make America great again, again. Yeah. Okay. And I, <laughs> by the way, I would like to have the chicken, chicken. Okay. <laughs> I just like to say that. <laughs> it's yeah. Who knows? Who knows what's what's going on there? What What's well, funny is it's it's. Well, I don't know. All I was gonna say is, is that like like if this was if this was a jokey right like you know what it reminds me of honestly. Do you remember uh, when we were maybe in fifth grade? There the the the. Uh, there was a, an actor named Orlando Jones who had a who oh, had a yeah. little run um, as a successful comedian filmmaker. And his big break was he had the Seven Up commercial that was "Make Seven Up Yours." Yeah, yeah, make Seven and Up Yours. Like, yeah, make Seven Up Yours. And sure, like you know, hey buddy, and he's like, oh, looks like he wants one too. Um, and it was like hilarious because 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 you're like, oh, you're all in on the joke, right? Except this guy, right? And, right. and now and and, and so. That literally sounds like a jokey commercial, like sure. make America great again, again. Yeah. You know, and, and, and it's, it's like, it's funny. It's like if, if Saturday Night Live would have, would have done this as a, you know, satirical piece during his presidency about his yeah. potential rerun, then everybody would laugh and, and people would be like, oh, they're, they're crapping on him. And now they're doing it. But I guess what I'm saying is like, I would even have a little bit of respect if e- if they acknowledged that it was a silly joke, sure. Like even if they were like, "Hey, we're we're making light of this," you know. Yeah, except for like, go. I I just love the precept that it, it is all formed on, where you're like, you're like, okay, so I think we could all agree that on the my last day at office, January nineteenth, twenty twenty one, America was pretty great, right? We had everything; nothing was going bad. There were thousands of people dying every day. I don't. It was just a great day. It's the last day, and we want to get back to that. What What you remember was so great about January night, and I just love how Donald Trump is so unaware that he doesn't think things that happen during his presidency reflect his presidency. Because like, like he has this sort of situation where he's like, you know, okay, my presidency was going great, which is. Already not true, but my president is going great. And then COVID happened. What are you going to do, folks? What are you going to do? The answer is something, you dumb motherfucker. Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? What are you going to, what are you going to, but what are you going to do about it? Okay. Everything was going great. And then COVID came along. And so, and so it well, didn't go great, yeah, you idiot. First of all, ev- everything wasn't going great. Like, I agree. Be, yeah, I know that. Let's be clear about that. Like, everything, everything was not. But even going if it great. was, it wasn't. But even if it was, he doesn't right. recognize that, like, COVID is still his deal. We're not saying he went and ate the bat or whatever bullshit reason they're giving us that it started. We're not saying any of that. But the response to it, the underwhelming response to it that led to so many people dying and his his uh, even just right toward the end, him is not advocating hard enough for the vaccine. His trying to like him going to rallies that were super spreader events. All this stuff was so irresponsible. And he's sitting there. It's almost like it's almost like George Bush was like, well, you know, 
I, <laughs> I have to I have to do the I have to do the little laugh with my shoulders to get into it. <laughs> you know uh my presidency was going great until uh the, the those those pesky planes hit the twin towers and you know what are you gonna do those planes yeah. that came out of nowhere that's not my responsibility I didn't do that I didn't I didn't fly those and it's literally like yeah but how you responded to it that is right. on you. That is part of your exactly. presidency. And and that's why, you know, and we talk about this before. Like, look, I'm not I I, I am not uh I, I haven't been thrilled with Biden's presidency, you know, and, and one of the biggest criticisms was the you know, the way he handled our exit from from Afghanistan. And I, I don't I think it's responsible as an American to be able to point that out and go, okay, that was quite catastrophic that was quite bad and but but at the same time it's like one of the issues i have just currently and it kind of fits into the what i what we're going to talk about a little later is just that with tribalism being what it is in the country yeah that's really what we're seeing is we're seeing a rise of tribalism and, and with social media you're polarization. seeing a rise of, polarization a, a, a rise of digital tribalism yeah and and also, I mean, the, the, the tribalism is so interesting that we're able to to completely get rid of any other information from any other source. And so it's like I like what Obama said on um, on my guest need no introduction on Netflix. He he was speaking with um, David Letterman. And he said he said, depending on what where you get your news, you live on a different planet than other people. And it's like on, on, on one planet, there's these things going on. And on another planet, there's these things going on, but you have no idea what's happening yeah. from planet to planet. And my, the, I, I guess what, what I'm saying is one thing that really bothers me is the fact that it's like, well, these are our choices and we have to kind of defend our choices. Like we defend a bad relationship. You know, we're like, we're like, you're like, you're like, yeah, he's, but I know that he does all this stuff, but you don't, you don't really understand, you know, you don't really right. see, you only see him when he's out, you know, sure, you don't, sure, 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 you don't yeah. see him. And, and anyway, my, my, with all that, like the biggest issue I had with the Trump presidency is that Trump championed this kind of I'm going to say what I want I'm going to say what I feel F diplomacy and every president before people would criticize for their diplomacy because they're like oh they're just trying to play to both sides of the aisle they're just trying to be middle of the road blah 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 but the thing was he said F diplomacy I'm going to say exactly what my yeah. my base wants I'm going to say it proudly like when he said when he called Colin Kaepernick a son of a bitch and yeah, Colin did. Kaepernick, a son of a bitch, but then says he fell in love. And then Kim Jong-un and I, we fell in love. He yeah, literally exactly. said that. He said right. he, he wrote me the most wonderful letter. And have you all seen the letter? It looks like it was written on construction paper. You remember <laughs> construction paper? It looked, it was so, and, and these people just know how to play him. But yeah, he had this sort of thing of like, no, I'm going to lean into the polarization. I'm yeah, never well, going was, to even try. Like, do you remember was, there was a September 11th tweet where he goes, I want to, I want to uh, wish a good day to all Americans, including the losers and the haters. Right. On 9-11. Right. And it's like, and it's like, right there. Okay. 
what he did is he decided he made the choice to take this stand, you know, very pro polarization where he essentially said, I'm going to say everything my base wants me to hear or wants to hear. And he went, he went, I, I'm going to, I'm going to go so proud. So, so, and that's what got him in trouble during he was a proud boy, the proud boy. Right. He, he went like this. He went, whereas with Charlottesville, and this is my ultimate point with Charlottesville, he very much could have said, listen, what happened was an absolute tragedy and there's a nasty divide in our country. And it is my job as president to bring people together. I understand that people are disagreeing and we need to have these conversations, but these conversations cannot end in bloodshed or death. But instead, what he did was he was like, hey, 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 there's there's good people on both sides. There's bad people on both sides. Am I saying that someone should have get run, gotten run over by a car? No. A- am I am I saying? But am I trying to save a base who likes me? Who, if I yeah. actually say what I should say here, might feel betrayed? Well, exactly, exactly. And 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 that's the thing. And so instead, it's like all those people who are like, I wish we had a president who would just get up and just say, you know, like. Just are we allowed, are, have we have we reached the point where we can swear yet? You didn't um, hear me call him a dumb motherfucker earlier. Okay, good, 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 good. And for good. the record, so, usually I would use the word stupid. Dumb was what dumb is one of those words that I've tried to like get out of my vocabulary, right. but it just came out this time. But, uh, but that's the point is that, yeah. is that he's able to be like, hey, fuck that and fuck them and fuck these people, right? And all that does is it just creates division. The reason every other president did their best to be diplomatic is because we weren't interested in dividing the country. Isn't that the slogan? United we stand, divided we fall? But it was I've never seen anybody yeah. more interested in division. It's as be- in- and then ironically like calls like Obama a polarizing president. I want to I think I think what we should do Dom is is not spend too much time on any one story. I think we're going a little long on this one. Uh, and I actually, I do want to just point out that while we're in America watching the world burn down, something else is happening over in Europe. Something else is happening on the BBC because while, while I'm talking about Europe, but I am still talking about America technically, I just want everyone to know that this is one of the top stories on BBC news today. This is the planet as Dom was establishing that they live on. Elk wandering Colorado for two years with tire around neck is freed. Nice. Now, there's a few things that I want to point out. First of all, and I know that we have some people in the chat from Europe. Uh, but first of all, uh, uh, the and, and a little explanation. Generally, we won't be responding to live chat questions when we're doing this stuff because a lot of times there won't be a live chat. But uh, I've tried to remove dumb from my vocabulary as in in the same way that I don't use the word gay uh, like I did as a teenager anymore either, where it was like, it means bad, dumb means stupid, but dumb actually is a word that uh, represents a, 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 a disability a person can have. Yeah, a group of that, people. That's not an intellectual disability. So that's that's why I, I try to uh, try to switch out of it. Anyway, um, the so did you know that in Europe they spell tire, as in like the tire on my car, with a Y instead of an I? No. And that is why it was right to kick them out of this country. <laughs> this justifies well, the entire revolution. What kind of anarchy? 
<laughs> my my uh my favorite show right now is Ted Lasso. I absolutely love that show. I haven't and seen we'll it yet. Shamelessly plug it, but you know what it's about, right? Yeah, like a a, a kickball coach, right? No, no. He, well, he's he's an American football coach. I, okay. I, I know, I know, I know. But he's an American football coach that goes to uh, London and starts teaching or starts coaching soccer and knows nothing about it. And it's very funny, but but the, they play a lot on the American uh, British like differences. And there was this hilarious thing on on the episode before last where he's reading a letter. <laughs> he's reading a letter written to him by uh, a native Brit, and he looks at her and goes, uh, "You spelled." He goes, "You spelled favorite wrong." <laughs> Because you they put that U in there, huh? Because they put the U, and it, yeah. and I I started I started laughing because it's just such a subtle thing, and he just said it so indignant. It was so yeah. funny because she's supposed to be super intelligent, and he reads the letter. He's like, oh, yeah, well, you spelled favorite wrong. I so. remember like feeling superior to everybody when I was younger because uh, having coming from a British family of a British mother. Uh, uh, that we got the British versions of the Harry Potter books. And then I just start reading it and I'm like, well, this, this is a nonsense book. What is this? What are they even trying to say? <laughs> what color is your jumper and color is the wrong co- And, and like <laughs> British fam, like British mother, but like our, my family's from New York. So right. jumper means somebody who, something completely different. Somebody yes, who's yes. on a bridge. Like, Oh fuck! There's a say, jumper. It's a, it's a three. It's a third eye blind song. And the, and in New York, when there's a jumper, uh, it's not it's not a bunch of people going, "Oh my god, help!" It's people yelling like, "Do, do a backflip gainer," you know what I mean? Right, right, exactly, exactly. Yeah, that right, yeah, exactly. that's like, that's like a Futurama reference when when Hermes <laughs> is, like, "I'm going to jump," and Ben yells, "Do a flip." Uh, <laughs> Um, (laughs) well, anyway, they, uh, that's, that's hilarious. That's hilarious. Well, listen, I want to dive, I want to dive into this topic uh, because it's on the, it's on the topic of the news about, about this unhappiness. You know what I mean? This, this like chronic unhappiness. And the reason I want to tie it into the news is because uh, for a few reasons, the first is, you know, this, this, what we found out about Facebook was it last week? Last week, what came out about Facebook? Uh, yeah, Facebook and Instagram, sure. Yes, which is profound. But it also has to do with the news. And then we were talking about Trump a little bit ago, and, and I feel like they they placated this well, which was the whole fake news thing. Sure. And and there, there's fascinating talks. And, and what I'm about to say was a little more relevant maybe five years ago because I I, I fear we've reached a tipping point. But you know the world. With, with the exception of COVID, was, is actually much safer than it's ever been. Life expectancy is longer than it's ever been. And violent crime, at least up until, like, I think 2019, was lower than it had been in, like, 25 years. But yeah. coverage on the news of all these things was higher than ever before. And it, and it had to do – there was a there's a really great book called A Culture of Fear that talks about this. And there's also this uh, – 
this professor from Harvard, you can watch his his talks where this kind of his his thing. But ultimately what what he says is that after 9-11, Hurricane Katrina, you know, these these things in the early 2000s, this because of these catastrophic events, the news ended up getting higher ratings than, I mean, primetime television. And so they realized that catastrophe brings ratings. And so then all of a sudden you're getting catastrophe after catastrophe after catastrophe after catastrophe, which creates the illusion, at least the visual illusion that the world is is coming to some kind of end or that there's chaos abound all over when when you actually look at statistics of the world, the the amalgamation of things that are happening, it's it's not necessarily the case. You know sure. what I mean? I'm, well, but there's a couple of things there's a couple of things we could say here. Like like when you talk about that, it, 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 as far as generally down to an individual person, if an individual person is miserable uh, or has some systemic thing holding them down or people that look like them down or people from the group that they're down, it doesn't really matter when you then go to that person and you say, but statistically it's better than it's ever been. Right. Cause you right. can still see like, sure. Statistically it's better than it's ever been. But my individual experience is this is all fucking horrible. I hate this. Right. It sucks. I don't want to do this anymore. And by the way, as I look out, I can find that this still exists in the world. And so, so when you're, when you are upset or when you are depressed or you are, uh, uh, certainly these things aren't helping and it's, and it's serving it as, as a constant reminder. But I honestly wonder if it is so much the news that is doing it or how we have changed the way we have conversations with each other about that news or about some set right. of information or something like that. Because we now have – I just think about like the first emergence of, of people – being social on the internet and going on the internet for community. And it used to be like, yeah. like, let's just go back to the days of MySpace. There were things before that, uh, things that I, I had even gotten to mess around with. Obviously there was like <laughs> AOL instant messenger chat rooms, but let's just go back yeah. to MySpace where things started to organize. And, when, and by the way, for anybody in that's listening, that was say born between 1999 and 2005, MySpace was a social media platform that uh, old folks like Jimmy and I got started when we were about 14 or 15 years old. Yeah. Yeah. I have it, to, it, so <laughs> I have my, to say that. MySpace. I, MySpace I is like about, Facebook before Facebook, basically. Yeah. I, the reason the reason I laugh at that is I told you about my uh, when Gianni's babysitter came over. She was 13 years old. Yeah. My, my son. My son was like maybe five. And and she's like, I get a social media. I'm going to get a Snapchat. And I'm like, oh, that's great. I was like, I remember my first social media. Uh, I was 15. It was called MySpace. And this 13 year old looks at me and goes, oh, Yeah. We just watched a documentary. Oh, my space. Yeah, yeah. And now it's now it's where there's music and stuff. And the whole thing about that place, everybody was obsessed with being on somebody else's top eight. You had a top eight yes, and it was you your top, top eight, eight friends. friends. You ranked your friends and then you could put, add some like code and plugins if you wanted to make it expand to like a top 12 or a top 16. Right. Anyway, uh, but the interesting thing about it was your MySpace friend group was 95% people who you saw usually like on a regular basis in real life. 
And so when you're interacting with these people, yes, there is a little bit of like we're not in the same room together. And so in the same way that nobody is braver than uh, a fucking 16-year-old boy at three in the morning texting a girl he has a crush on. And by braver, I mean makes stupid decisions and says stupid things. Yes, there's still that element. But you had this uh, other element of... I'm still going to see these people. This is public. There is a a, a public uh, nature to what I'm going to say. And I have to face the consequences in my day-to-day life of this. That was your primary experience. And then maybe it was like 5%. And then people would go, uh, you know, some people for negative reasons would go to places where they could be more anonymous. And that's where like the emergence of a troll would happen where trolls were like this extreme, extreme minority that you almost never saw. And so it was like a novel thing when you saw it, but now that's not the experience we have now, even people who are going to see some of the people the other day have the ability to be like, why are you mad? Oh, that was online. You can't just be mad at me. We're do, you know we're doing stuff online, even though I was actively bullying you as much as it hurts. But also in general, it is people mostly interacting with people they do not see in person. And so we we have this right. situation where most social interaction now is happening in a way that you have this feeling of protection that nobody would talk to you the way they talk. Or nobody right. would talk to other people the way they talk if they were face-to-face with that person. If they had exactly. to read the emotional impact of the words that they go on the person's face. That they, you know, they send out the words and see the face react to that. And exactly. so, so exactly. we're we're talking to each other this way. We're being talked to this way. We are elevating problems that aren't real problems above problems that are real problems. And yes. and the and the world is and this is why I think we are all so fucking miserable because right now, regardless of even if you go outside, which is something that I've been doing a lot more of, I decided I wanted to pick up new hobbies. I, I, I hit my own mental break earlier this year and I've been trying to change my life and the way it works when I am offline, when I'm not doing work. Uh, to where I leave my phone behind. I'm 31, quite overweight, and decided to learn how to one-wheel, despite the fact that I've never even been able to skateboard in my life. But a one-wheel is basically a skateboard with a giant motor and wheel in the middle, uh, and it's and it's awesome. Uh, anyway, right. and and so I've 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 at 31 with no balance or physical ability, uh, and, and that that's been the kind of thing I've been trying to do to try and get away from. If I have like one message for everybody, it's this. The internet isn't fucking real. Like it's right. it's literally real in that it exists and the information on it can be extremely useful. But now that the internet is a social hub, you aren't your real self on the internet. Nobody is being real to you on the internet. And I'm speaking as a person who has to present uh, uh, two people on right. YouTube. Somebody, people have to look at my face if they watch the videos. Uh, I have to even appear real in those moments. And I can tell you as a YouTuber, it is a performance. Like it's a, yes, the character that you get to meet, uh, you get to, to hear from on YouTube is based on me. You know, Jimmy Snow is a, uh, on YouTube has a lot of the same values as Jimmy Snow is on. But even like even the person that I'm I'm dating was like, yeah, no, it's just it, you offline versus online, completely different people, same values, uh, and 
you know, I like to think that the offline person is a better person, but also a lot more low key, a lot more uh, sort of just working all the time, driven and stuff. And it's there isn't a person I've ever seen who. And a lot of people are like, no, I am online who I am offline and you're not. You really aren't. The the confidence you get. Do you remember when we talked about, I think it was you who was like, the way we, the things we will feel and think about a person in another car if they cut yeah, us well, off in traffic? Gonna, that's what I was, that's where I was going to kind of go just to, just to piggyback on, on what you're saying. There's a few things. So, yeah. so first off, first off, going with this whole thing about online, like, like you were saying, the way we speak to each other online, here, here's the deal. Not to get this is the only super technical thing I'll say, but uh, we have these things called mirror neurons, and mirror neurons are the source of empathy. It's like you know when um, you remember Jackass, how Jackass was so big, and you see one of the guys get hit in the nuts, and then you go oh like yeah, that, even though sure. you didn't get hit in the nuts. That's called mirror neurons, and what it is is in your brain you see somebody go through pain, and then you can empathize with that pain. And you imagine what it must be like. And, and that's our source of empathy. And the thing is, is that when we're alone, when you're all by yourself, there's no need for empathy because there's no one else near you. Right. Right. So I, I use this example of being in a car. The reason road rage is so intense is because when you're in a car, you can't see the person. You can't see the human being. You just see the car. And so you say the most heinous stuff, right? Like somebody cuts you off or I've seen, you know. <laughs> like my dad was the worst with this. My dad was so bad with road rage. Apparently my mom loves telling the story. When I was two years old, I thought cars were called assholes. <laughs> so I would walk around a parking lot and be like, that's a blue asshole. And that's a green asshole. And that's a thing. Because anytime, you know, someone would, you know, nice blinker asshole, or look at this asshole right here. freaking asshole. Yeah. But yet if somebody were to cut you off in say the line at the grocery store, or if somebody were to come in an elevator and you go to put a, the, you know, press the button and somebody goes and, and kind of cuts you off, you would never go, look at this fucking asshole right here. You would never do that because one, you can see the effect that it would have on them. And two, it could cause an altercation and whatever, whatever. But there's so much going on to where we go, oh, that's another person and this could cause conflict or harm. But when you're all alone, it's easy. So now the internet has essentially amplified that to where I can get on a keyboard all alone and say these thoughts that I have in my head without any regard for empathy or sure. any other human being. And so when you say it's like, it's not that it's not that it's not, uh, uh, you, what it is, is it's, it's a, the internet has become a receptacle for the worst and most heinous parts of the human mind. And so then you just throw it on there because because there's there's no one to necessarily hold accountable. You don't have to see, you know, the impact you're making on somebody. But then add to that what we were talking about before about the news. And and I did a play um, when a, a few years back and it was about the news. And I, I had to study the news and take some journalism classes and go into news stations and the biggest takeaway I got from that, which was mind-blowing, was the fact that um, the news was meant to be completely unbiased facts. As in, it was meant to be you going, okay, here is 
the facts of this situation. Here's the facts of this situation. This is what the weather looks like. This is where the stock market is at. This is how many people died in this war today. And that's it. And then you were supposed to form your own opinion. But thanks to like Ailes and, and Fox News and everything, now the majority of any news you watch, and both sides are guilty of this, it is you are watching their opinion based on whatever they're researching. So the, the facts have been completely removed. If you watch Fox News, a lot of times you watch CNN, certainly if you watch MSNBC, what you're seeing is you're seeing people get paid to share their opinions about things that are happening. And then they're getting paid to perpetuate catastrophe. So so my favorite is living in California. Whenever there was a small earthquake that I would never feel, I would get uh, big text messages from all my family all over the country. Are you okay? Are you alive? Are you okay? And I'm sitting there going like, yeah, I didn't even feel it. In fact, if you guys wouldn't have texted me, I wouldn't have even known there was an earthquake. And then, and then the funny thing is, is then you turn on the news and it's them going, when will the big one be? When right. will the big one be that's going to destroy everybody? So then it perpetuates all sorts of fear and people go online and then with whatever the fear conjures up, they're just able to throw it into that receptacle that is that has become the Internet and then battle each other. But here's the funniest part is then you see each other in person, just like you were saying, you see each other in person and it's like it never happened. Like my favorite is I have an uncle, which I think everybody does, you know, who's who's very QAnon, very like anti-vax and all this stuff. And all the time I get this stuff from Facebook from him. And it's this, you know, uh, it's it's all this stuff about about how terrible leftists are and he knows that I'm liberal and how awful it is and all these Facebook spats about blah, 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 blah. And then I was just on tour and I ran into him because he came to one of my shows and we had a lovely, lovely time. It was like <laughs> none, none of it was like coming to blows or whatever. It was it was so funny how it was almost like this secret that we have, you know, it's like this yeah. secret war we have on the computer, but then we, we were in person and we're family and it's fine. And, I see. And we I love each other. I think so. I think for some people and some families that happens, but for a lot of people, I don't think that is the case anymore, especially like the, the younger generations now who are coming up. Uh, uh, it, it's, it's like the things that we're learning about, with the leaks and the whistle blowing at Facebook and Instagram yeah, has to do huge. with how that bullying and how that information affects people outside right. of right. of it all like where it's out when when they get off the internet and i just think about too like I can remember times when it felt like there were a lot of people looking at me or there was a rumor going about me in school. The concept of like being bullied at school was certainly something that right. uh, I wouldn't say I had to deal with all of the time because I was weird enough and loud enough and stuff. And, and a lot of times that but definitely there were times where it happens. And so you have a lot of anxiety about it. But now it just follows you home. In fact, right. if anything, it seems like. The worst bullying that happens to kids now, and 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 not just kids, because it's the whole internet is everybody join your group of bullies and call out everybody else's bullying. But remember that because you're in the right, 
bullying is okay. If you're if you're correct, right. you get to bully. That's right. It, it's the it's the it's the moral righteousness standpoint, right? It's the it's the idea that you know it's like a righteous kill. Yeah. It's like if you are the moral righteous one, then you get to be the one doing the killing. And the, and the thing is, is um, okay. I don't like the word bully. I don't because. We have this thing about bullying and blah, blah, blah. To me, bullying is too juvenile and non-impacting of a word. Because when I think of a bully, you know, it's like, yeah, that that guy who in school, whatever, knocked your, knocked your books out of your hand or shoved you in a locker. But here's the real thing. And this is this is what's really important that, that people don't understand, especially folks who talk about how sensitive a generation is. It has been proven that emotional pain registers the same in the brain as physical pain period so th- there's that old joke of some stand-up said you know i don't know why some parents beat their children when emotional bu- abuse is so much more permanent you know and what what i mean is there's no difference in your brain of physical pain and emotional pain and on the outside of your body there might be a difference like emotional pain doesn't leave a bruise but it leaves the exact same outcome as in it produces the same chemical response in your body. It produces the same fear reactions in your brain. So all of that. So I think we need to change the word bullying to assault, period. Yeah, or... If you... Or... If te- you're... I, there have definitely been times where instead of that, I, I like, instead of bully, I'll be like, these fucking online emotional terrorists. Right, right, which is fun. But no, I mean, regardless, whether it's physical, whether it's online, whether it's... Be- the bottom line is it's assault, period. What you're doing to somebody is assaulting them. If, if assaulting someone is to cause harm to someone, that's what you're doing, is you are causing genuine harm to a human being. And it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter if it's behind a keyboard. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, just calling them names or whatever, whatever. And, and we like to hear, we, you know, people like to, the argument of that is like, oh, well, people are so freaking sensitive now. That well, that's, blah, 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 blah. that's, and that's not even the, that's not even the worst of the arguments, honestly. The, the, the people are so freaking sensitive right now. That's the way people use to dismiss it. Worse than right. what people use to dismiss it, I think, are what people use to justify it. Because it's literally right. – and, and I talked about this uh, uh, or I had some Twitter interaction about this not too long ago where there were literally people saying like, okay, but no, if, if a person belongs to this group or has this belief, they deserve anything that comes their way. And you're basically saying like – you're basically saying that – I'm right, therefore I'm justified and you can't hold this against me. But guess what? Everybody thinks they are right. Like that's the thing. Everyone thinks they're on the correct side. So if being on the correct side of an issue makes it okay to bully, you've basically just said everybody can feel personally okay to cyber harass or cyber assault with with Dom's new, new terminology. It's, it is... Again, worse than the people who defend 
that it like you should be able to just dismiss it, that it shouldn't be as big a deal. Cause and that's unfortunately, that's even something you see everybody too, where it's everybody thinks they know if they were in somebody's shoes how they would handle a situation. <laughs> right. And you one hundred percent do not know how a situation is going to hit you until it hits you. As right. a YouTuber, I get to see this all the time. And it's really hard. I I, I mean I've I've definitely gotten away from in the last few months, I don't interact with comments really uh, almost at all anymore, except for uh, some of the nicer ones, some of the people who are are coming in in good faith. But I used to have a problem, honestly, with like people would would make some negative fucking comment and I would like just want to just want to put something back. And and I've gotten better at not doing that. It, it, it's been tough. But like you'll get a person who says something along the lines of like, they just tell you like this show would be good if you did this, this and this and this. And it's like, okay. And who are you and why should I listen to you? Like, what have you done to show this? Or like, if it's so easy, why don't you go do it? Why don't you go make it? Anyway, all this to bring back to the idea of none of this is real. Like even, and I'm not saying it shouldn't be this way, by the way, as far as the next thing, the stuff in the pet, the stuff I've talked about so far definitely shouldn't be the way it is. But even as I just look at a live chat, like we're streaming out to YouTube right now, right? just think about the decision to not go with your real name, not even necessarily your legal name, but a name that mm. people call you in real life and how even just that and and people on YouTube, you sign into your, you know, Gmail account or whatever. But when you actually interact with a person, it's going to show whatever name and picture you put up. And so right. to the average interaction, you are you have now you are now free of social consequences from the standpoint of being in an audience or in a forum or whatever Uh you are free of those social consequences and it enables people to talk and act a different way. Right. Right. Well, yes, it, 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 it gives you, it gives you the freedom of um, anonymity. Right. And, and it's kind of, it's kind of commonplace. We all do that. I think you bring up a great point because I never thought about that before, but how we, you know, how we kind of go, Oh, cover your name so that you can't be tracked. Right. You know, so that nobody knows. And that's the thing is that, well, well, why would you need that? And the first thing is, okay, there are stalkers out there, predators, these kind of people who might find you and, and seek you out. You know, Yeah, there are but definitely then, good reasons. I'm not, and I'm not saying there aren't good reasons to not use a username. Right, uh, right, there right. definitely are. But, but then but on top of it, it enables something else. It's, it's a little bit of like a masquerade. It's an online masquerade. Like nobody yeah. can see your face. Nobody knows your name. You have the freedom. And that's why we see so much escapism. I, I feel in, into the internet, you know, I get to be this person. I get to, cause a lot of times for a lot of people, and, and this isn't an insult to anybody, but a lot of people who are the most vocal or, or even a lot of times like the biggest trolls on the internet are people who would never do this in, in like person to person contact because that's what they're missing. They're missing that sense of power and control in real world situations. So what they get to have is they get to have that sense of power and control over being behind a keyboard like that. That's where they find that power or that's where they, yeah. they get to have that kind of catharsis. And but going back to Facebook and this is super important. It's super important because. What, what what the whistleblower essentially found out with Facebook 
was that the algorithm favored misinformation, specifically agitating or divisive information or posts. Yeah. Things and, that are going to get an emotional rise out of a person, right. things that are going to get them to click the next thing. And when you think about a lot of people think that this was a programmed algorithm to do that. The way these algorithms develop are a lot of like networks that that observe information and then try test out different things to enhance it. And so this algorithm is basically going from its perspective, all it successfully did was get you to stay on Facebook or Instagram longer. It succeeded right. at that. It's an amoral computer. Like it's not, it's, right. however, we put those guards in and and the, the worst part is like, that's kind of the defense a, a lot of time was like, well, they don't know where the algorithm takes it except for that they do. Exactly. They might not know the first time the algorithm's going insane, but they actually, this is what the whistleblower showed is they actually know they actually know that, uh, you know, young girls are being brought to the hashtag clean living stuff more and more. And that that stuff tends to actually promote not clean living, but anorexia because right. of the body styles that they're seeing, because well, of the, the lifestyle stuff they're seeing. Just real quick. And so they, yeah. they actually are seeing this data much in the same way where. Uh, uh, different algorithms and neural networks have been tried out on like Twitter where they were like, okay, we're going to have a neural network set up and it's just going to, it's just going to learn from the conversations it has with other people on Twitter. And within like eight hours, this Twitter bot that was created to learn from other people starts like tweeting out Holocaust conspiracies. Exactly. And see, and but they that, did the that, right yes. thing and they shut it down when they were like, okay, we have the data from the results of what algorithmically happened and we're going to shut it down. Right. Right. Well, and, and, and here's the, here's the real issue when it comes to unhappiness, when it comes to unhappiness, like when I, when I teach my classes on mental health and stuff, one of the things I talk about is mental atmosphere, which is exactly what you were talking about before, which is, you know, you started going outside and riding a one wheel. Yeah. And the, the thing is, is, you know, I, I just went on tour for standup and I went to through 11 states and I stopped and I talked with people and I did all this stuff. And, and the, the wild thing is I didn't watch the news once. I literally did not watch the news one time or listen to the news or whatever. And, and the amazing thing was it was beautiful. There was a beaut it was a beautiful drive. I got to meet amazing people. I made a bunch of friends. Um, so the um, only, the only caveat to what you're saying though, is that like for a lot of people there, they could hear that and go, Oh, so if I just cut news out more, I will be happier. And for a lot of people, that's the simple solution. It is easier. The caveat is a lot of people, perhaps even more, they don't get their news from their news. They get the news from their social media feeds exactly. in the fight. Like it's yes, not even, and, and, it's not even yes. that you jump in, you read the article and make your own thing. It's, right. oh, I see that Charlie Kirk is fighting with Vosh. I don't know if those two actually fight one-on-one -on -one ever, but about this thing. And so, okay, here's the, uh, I, I'm getting headlines. I'm on Vosh's side. So let me see what I feel about it by reading other people. And then let me join the fight and start calling people, you know, cuck bastards and all this stuff. Right. And, and here's, this is, this goes back to what I was talking about, about tribalism. 
is that what, what I'm saying is that, so I, I turned off the news and my, my point was when I came back from tour, I turned back on the news and I was like, Oh, apparently the world's been on fire and there's all this terrible catastrophe. going I, on. I get where you're going. Yeah. Which is weird because yeah. I was newsless and I had a wonderful two weeks, but but then, and I'm not saying stay uninformed. Right. You do have is, to have a balance there because exactly. ignorance is bliss, but taking breaks away from it will help you realize. Because yes. the biggest thing but is what, we're not, we're not covering the actual news. There is a lot of negative stuff out there that probably should still be covered wall to wall coverage of, but that's yes. not the stuff. Like, well, like think, think of this, right. And, and this is, this is going to come off as an extremely insensitive thing. And I, I don't. I just asked that I be heard out. And here's what I mean. I saw a news thing that said a man with a machete was going around Washington, D.C. Okay. Man with machete is arrested in Washington, D.C. and sliced a person. Right. Okay. Okay. Now that's not cool, especially for that person. It's also out of the ordinary. What yes. I, I, doing I think we, I think we can all agree, Dom, that that is not cool. <laughs> Yeah, not cool, not cool. But here's the thing, is that when the news does this story on one man in a machete in Washington, D.C., and there's 350 million people in the United States, what happens is it creates the false illusion, sorry, not false illusion, that's redundant. It creates the illusion in your head that there are people roaming around the streets with machetes and I could get stabbed at any time and the world is going crazy, right? When in actuality, one person out of 350 million people across 5,000 miles and 50 states was either mentally ill or deranged and did a weird thing. That's the real news story. And when you put it in that perspective... You know, to be completely blunt, you could go even even allotting one million people as deranged murderers. That news headline could read three hundred and forty nine million people not deranged murderers. And the one in three hundred and fifty would absolutely be scary. That would be a startling Yes. That's way yes, more than it maybe maybe you right. realize. And that that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. So my point is my point is there is so much more not crazy that well, I don't like the word, that, but there is so much more underanged that vastly outnumbers the deranged. But the problem is we only shine the spotlight and magnify the deranged in the news. And it creates the illusion that everyone's deranged, you know? I think, I and, think there's still a lot of negative things that we have to talk about and that, but that kind of what you're talking about is is what we're prioritizing is and we also need to talk about how to handle that information how to limit how much it is cuz even if even if there's always every minute of every day you could be out there you know contributing to a charity or whatever the fact of the matter is is for your own mental safety and security you have to take time off to just do you and be you well and even more i'm going to i'm going to take that a step further is you have to take time off to be happy. And, and I, I really mean that. I mean, you have to take time to not to do things that make you happy, to fill your cup with things that you find joy in. It's, it's imperative 
for not just your mental health, for your health. It is imperative. And so many people, when I talk to them about this or when I run classes on this, they say the same thing. They go, well, how can I be happy when there's so much awful in the world? How can I be happy when there's so much terrible going on? And that's when you bring in, you know, all the stuff that's, that's been so proven effective where, you know, there, there's that old quote, which is to live in the past is depression, to live in the future is anxiety, but to live in the present moment is peace. And you say, you know, you realize that these people, you know, now with something like meditation, right? Like the jury's out on meditation. They've done study after study after study that shows the benefits not only to mental health, but productivity and well-being. You, certainly you mean the jury is in. Jury's the out jury's is in. when they're in deliberations. Oh, sorry. The jury's in. Whatever it is. What I mean is, what I mean is it's become very conclusive. But the people who invented this thing, I mean, these were people who literally had like, like, like thousands of people dying around them a day because yeah. of war or famine or disease. And they developed this tactic of how do I stay mentally okay during all of this? And it, it's a matter of coming back to the present moment and allowing yourself to be happy, understanding that what we are seeing in the news, as we saw with Facebook, is something designed by an algorithm specifically to scare and agitate you because that's what creates that's what gets more clicks and more interaction, which gets them more money. Right. So if you understand that that system is working against you to perpetuate fear and anger, then turning it off and walking away from the system, at least for a little bit, is the first thing to do towards, you know, happiness and joy and a clear mind and things like that. Now, if you're dealing with something directly, like you're dealing with a personal disease or you're dealing with somebody, I don't know, doing something awful to you in this moment, then that's a whole different thing that requires your attention. But the majority of the time, it's us just staring at all the catastrophe that is, that is designed to feed our eyes via a screen for our attention and our clicks. And, and the truth, like you said, it, it's it, it I, I won't say that it's not necessarily real like the insurrection was real and you know hurricanes are real and these kind of things but it is absolutely magnified and it is absolutely yeah. tailored for terror I, I I think the thing that's interesting about that is once you get in that you can spend hours going down these rabbit holes where you would be better served let's say we still want to talk about the hurricane right or right. Uh, uh or the insurrection because that's a more polarizing thing. Yeah. You would be better served in a room with 15 people sat in a circle like you're in a church auditorium <laughs> talking about it because at a certain point, it's just going to end. Yes. You know what I mean? And then the yes. conversation's over and then maybe you'll come back to it later, but it's just going to end. And sometimes it ends, you know, at the end of two hours. And that was how long you had all allotted. And you talk about it the whole time. Or sometimes it's like, man, you know, I, I got to out loud. And that's OK. So this is another thing we don't experience. And, and I think this is a big part of why it is why people are so sad, why people are so anxious. Uh, we don't experience the same amount of emotional release of yeah. something when we put it out online and we do it. In fact, if anything, it's usually we're getting more ramped up. Now, sometimes you can. So sometimes right. like a lot of people with journaling, their experience with journaling will be like, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, I, I got all this out. 
However, when we're talking about these things that are so often interactions between us and other people and you're going and you're like, you're a fucking idiot. You are so wrong about this topic. And then that person writes back and then we feel this need to keep writing back. And now we're having a fresh reaction to each comment that comes back and and across the Internet. It's almost you can go anywhere and you're not going to experience a shortage of comments like it's it's easy to find new comments, whereas if you're. Say you're sitting with your family talking about something. You're sitting with a friend or like uh, Michelle and I, when we're like, we, we will go out, I'll get on a one wheel. She'll get on a scooter. She'll be very mad that I, I admitted that she loves to scoot now. Um, but we'll go out and we'll, we'll talk about things from our day or we'll talk about things that are happening in the world. And no one topic lasts more than five to 10 minutes. And then when we're, but when we're done talking about it, we feel like, we got out what we needed to say and you can yep. emote more passionately. You can say like, yeah, it's just bullshit that such and such is happening or that so-and-so got to do this. She, she's really, really into like murder mystery stuff or like true right. crime stuff. And so a right. lot of times she's like, yeah, I was this, uh, this guy and he's just this heinous guy. Like you get it out. Meanwhile, you take even something as ridiculous as like a, a person who was a serial killer. You take that right. to the internet and now people are having these like totally unnuanced conversations where your position makes you an evil, horrible bastard of a person. Yes, 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 yes. And here's, here's the thing is that the first problem with that is going back to, to the tribalization thing. And also the, the, you know, you hear about the echo chamber of the internet because we're allowed to block because we're allowed to, you know, and, and the algorithm finds our patterns. What it essentially does is it creates this really fascinating – our experience on the internet is tailored to our specific person. Sure. So it's like anything I believe, anything I like, anything I agree with, that's all that I am seeing. And I've also been able to cut out any other point of view or any other thing that's going on. And, and I'm guilty of this. As well, much as anybody. I, mean, I do want to. I do want to jump in on some nuance on this because you had said because we're allowed to block. I am extremely pro blocking. No, no, no. I, what I, I'm, I'm against are people isolating. So this is something yes. that this actually happened recently where I was talking about uh, echo chambers and someone's like, "Oh, big words from somebody who has a uh, like a locked up Twitter and a locked up Reddit." And I'm like, "Okay." So do I, the question is, do I live in an echo chamber? Clearly your douchey ass was able to get in here. So I can't entirely be in one, but as far as like, I went from probably being in an echo chamber, I would say pretty heavily a year ago to again, a bunch of stuff changing over this year where I was like, man, I fell into a culture that I was against. I participated and perpetuated that culture. And now on the other side of it, I expose myself to other sides more than ever, but it doesn't right. mean any random fuck face on the internet gets to be that other side for me. Because you know what I don't get in a two-way conversation with some random fuck face on the internet? I don't get anonymity where they do. Right. I don't get the familiarity where they do. So I'm right. actually, and, and it's funny because people go, you're just looking for an echo chamber because you don't let the people in who are going to come in and attack your character and you right. as an individual, these people who know nothing fucking about you, uh, right. uh, but they think they do because they follow some drama channels or some rumors or other people's Twitter feeds or fucking whatever. Uh, and they're like, you're 
just in an echo chamber. We know you better than you, and you need to listen to our opinion about you right now. Otherwise, you're in an echo chamber, and that has nothing to do with exposing yourself to opposing viewpoints. And it's good when you do want to do that to have people you feel like you have a social trust with. There are people who I know who are bigots in my eyes. Uh, they, they do not agree with me on, on political issues, or it could be social issues. There are people in my life who don't believe I should be able to marry another dude if I fall in love with a dude. And yet I still like these people more than a lot of people on my so-called side because of the way the sort of social agreement I have with these people of when we talk about this, we will never get to X level of disrespectful. By the way, Dom, you should know when you fidget with loud things, you have a mute button on your board. I'm just saying. I think you just hit it. Utilizing it right now. Good enough. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it's literally this exposing yourself to other points of view does not mean you have to open it up to however people want to treat you when saying that point of view. Not being in an echo chamber is about exposure, not being set on fire. And that's what a lot of people, that is the the mistake that some of these, dare I call them, douche nozzles make. And yes, I do dare, because that's not even that controversial. No, I, I agree. Give me one sec. Yeah. Yeah. What what kind of drink you well, getting sorry, into? I had to go back to the board. Um, here's the thing. It's exactly what I talked about that time that I filled in for you on the sometime show. This isn't this is a lesson I learned in acting and it's been the best lesson for communication in the world is there's a difference between a discussion and an argument and a fight. And the thing that makes them all similar, we, we confuse them in our culture because the thing that makes them similar is it's people coming from a different point of view. So. It's people who, um, you there? I just got, I got to make sure. Yeah, I'm here. I'm okay, trying to get a, a charging cable no, out. So you, no, you're yeah, good, you're good. yeah, yeah, keep going. So I got to anyway, take my headphones out for a second. Go ahead. So, so the point is, is that it's all people who come from a different point of view, as in they believe something different than you believe. But there is a difference between a discussion, an argument, and a fight. And the difference is what you want out of the the, the discussion, essentially, or the, or the confrontation. So in a discussion, the goal is to learn. That's what you're hoping to do. You're saying, I believe one thing, you believe another thing. I'm interested in learning from you. I'm, I, I mean, and that doesn't mean I have to take on your belief. That doesn't mean I have to even agree with you. All I'm interested in is learning why you think the way you think. And that's what I had to do. You know, I, I have, as I was saying, you know, there are people in my family who believe different things than I do. Maybe they're anti-vax or maybe they're on a different political spectrum than me. And a discussion would be me just asking them, you know, why do you believe what you believe? Or why do you hate this other side or something to learn why they think the way they do? And then in return, I get to tell them about why I believe what I believe. Then you get into an argument, which is an argument is where you try to win. That's normally an issue. It's like, okay, I am not curious what I can, I'm not trying to learn about what you want or learn about what you believe or where you're coming from. 
I'm trying to hear what you believe so I can beat you. I'm trying to hear what you believe so that I can best you or win the argument. And then you get to a fight, which is where I'm only listening to you because I want to destroy your belief so that you never have it again. And I would say that. Well, I would even say that like the fights sometimes aren't even about the belief. They're often about the person. It's about I'm going to destroy you, you yeah. because you hold this belief. Yeah. And, I don't think fights actually care that the person change. I right. think they just care about the damage they no, instill in they, the meantime. Exactly. It's 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 you have this point of view. Yeah. And so I want to destroy you as a person. Yeah. And and I feel like in America we pretty much start at argument. We've we've moved past. There really is very little discussion. Well, and keep we, in mind, too, like when you're talking about these differences as well, like not only do we just start at argument, sometimes we start at fight and sometimes we start there with not something a person present day believes, but a belief right. they had espoused in the past. Right. Or yeah, exactly. Or we'll say that or we'll say this. We'll go. We'll go. I and it's a game of telephone. I've heard offhand, 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 yeah. and we will reduce somebody. I'm guilty of this too. We will reduce somebody to three words, right? right. Or even one word, right? You know, uh, uh, whatever it may be. Like, you know, you see a, a let's say you see a famous person, and you know that they, I don't know, for instance, like are are friends with Alex Jones or something, and then you go, you go, oh. I heard that person's a racist and that's it. And then you're done with them. Like you in your mind have effectively killed them because you heard from a place that they did a thing with someone. But the point is, is that what you were describing about those people you talk to, they're people that are different than you, but they're interested in having a discussion. They're interested in being heard. Now here's what's, here's what's really interesting is that in the brain, when you're heard, when you're listened to, when you're, that triggers the same chemical reaction as being hugged and comforted. So it's, it's, it's essentially a way to show love is to actively listen to somebody and hear them out. And then to, uh, get agreement or to get a laugh or, or on social media to get a like or a follow, that's the equivalent of a bump of cocaine to the brain. So you are getting. Hang on, let me do. Let me do both real quick. (laughs) Somebody click like, and I'm going to do a bump moments later. It's going to double it. And so, and and the designers of social media know that, and they've they've designed it to where that's why they don't put it out to everybody at once. If it gets a lot of likes, they'll wait and then put it out later. So you're constantly looking at your phone, so that way you're constantly getting that little hit, that little hit, that little hit. Now, on the flip side, to be rejected. Yeah. Or to be enraged, whatever. That essentially, as we said earlier, or to fight or to get insulted, that triggers the same response as physical pain. So, what we're essentially doing is we're just like, when when we get in Facebook fights or whatever, whatever, it's this this cavalcade of emotions. It's it's the equivalent of a fucking bar fight. We're taking these lines, we're we're swigging, you know, we're taking hits of drugs with all the likes, and then we're fucking hurting somebody, and then they're hurting us, and then then they're getting likes, and we're getting hurt of their likes, and then we're fighting them, and we're getting more likes, and we're getting, it's this, it, it, it really is in the brain the equivalent of just, just doing lines and throwing punches. And, 
And what's, what's crazy is that, you know, what, like I said, I was talking with family members who were, who were, you know, anti-vaxxers or whatever. And, you know, yeah, I disagree with them, but I was interested in having a discussion. Like, where do you get all this? Where do you learn this stuff? And what I found going back to the echo chamber thing was that anything that I was offering them, like any kind of, you know, okay, well, what about this? Or what about these statistics? Or what about this? You know, they'd genuinely never heard before. And of course their first instinct was to, was to defend, Oh, well, you're just being told that by the people that control you and blah, 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 blah. But, but the, the point is, is that they'd never even heard of any of these things. And on the flip side, I'd never heard of anything that they were talking about or believed in or and any of this stuff. I mean, I've heard it secondhand, but what was fascinating was when we came down for like an actual discussion, I'm all of a sudden seeing the information. Suddenly. Getting. Thank you. Suddenly Jimmy hates that so much. Suddenly I'm seeing the information that they're being fed and they're seeing the information that I'm being fed. They think that the information I'm being fed is, you know, government conspiracies that are specifically tailored to me. I think that it's social conspiracies specifically ta ta tailored to them. But the difference was if I'd never sat down and talked with them, if they'd never sat down and talked with me, neither of us would see where the other's coming from. We would be on separate sides. And when I hear about an anti-vaxxer or they hear about me, we immediately hate each other because we're on different tribes and you threaten my way of life. You threaten my belief system. You threaten my sense of security. You threaten all of these things because you are other, you are different. And that's when we just get into this, this really scary mode of killing, like, I mean, destroying, like I want, that's why tribes fight and war against each other is because you're different, which means you're unsafe. But the way we do that in a digital world isn't through actually killing, it's through canceling, or it's through uh, you know, like, like demeaning or demonizing, which, and all of this, you know, all these things sometimes do get up to the level of, I mean, there are, it, at right. times it literally kills people. And then at times it sort of metaphorically kills people. Uh, I know nobody wants me to quote Dave Chappelle right now, but his whole quote about, because <laughs> uh, he's been canceled. But uh, if you take away a man's job, you've killed him, essentially. It's something along those yes, lines. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, it, it, and it is very much a, the no. that separation and total disregard for the impact of your actions, the impact of your words, and, and again, it, it, there, there are going to be. There will even be people listening to this who don't think they are who I'm talking about, and they are. And there will be some who aren't. But, but it, it's, it's literally where when you participate in these mob cultures of, because at the end of the day, most people who have little to no platform do not need a ginormous mob of people to seek out accountability. And second. It's not as though we then go, oh, okay, we've decided to cancel this person. Let's get the cameraman to follow them every step of the way to see if any accountability ever happens. Uh, and I think about this in, in cancellations that have happened to some of my friends, cancellations that have happened to people I'm aware of where it's like, actually, if you know what's going on in the background, whether these people deserved it or not, 
they are experiencing social consequences that are unprecedentedly horrible. And right. and basically these people are like, oh, when's there finally going to be accountability for this person who has been driven to their lowest mental point in their entire life to this person who doesn't even know the right thing to say? Because every time they think that they're on the right one and they try and say something now, now the new thing gets torn apart and totally rewritten to be awful, too. And it, it, it's a it's this. There is such an entitlement to people's personal lives and and a non-concept of mind your own fucking business where people go, but so-and-so did something wrong. So now every aspect of their life is my business. Right. I, I have partial ownership of that human. What are you talking about? It's... It's a sad it's, and unfortunate reality. And the, the reason why I think everybody is so fucking sad isn't because everybody's getting canceled. I think it's because people are largely participating in these artificial worlds. I, I just think about the thing that I remember used to depress me the most would be going to a party, which sounds weird. And it wasn't the party itself that depressed me. Because at the party, I felt like I was experiencing hits of dopamine, you know, like I'm <clears throat> I'm being very extroverted. I'm having fun. I'm talking. I'm and, you know, Dom and I both. If we go to a party and we're in a room with people, we're going to figure out how to get the maximum number of eyes of those people on us. Right, uh, right. Uh, it's a it's a which is funny because I know myself to be introverted. However, when I'm in a social situation, I want to command it. But as yes. far as. Okay. We are both we are both gregarious, but you are an introvert and I am an extrovert, which which means uh, effectively it's how we charge our batteries. Like does right. being around people drain you or does it give you more energy? And I mean, well, people, let me. People, I, yeah, sorry. Well, I was going to say like Robin Williams was an introvert. Sure. Know, so. Yeah, yeah. People don't understand that it it, it can be it can divide defy conventional wisdom certainly. Um, exactly. But the thing I was discovering is going to parties depressed me because, and I think that this is this is representative of a concept that I'm not saying because this was my anecdote, everyone's having it. I'm saying it's representative of concepts actually studied and stuff. Um, it was because this artificial interaction, I would basically get done and I would feel the character and it usually would happen in my car right after the party. I would feel the character, the social character drop yeah. away. And the, yes. as the character dropped away, I felt like I was being punched in the face with sadness. And right. it was this, it, it, it is this fake, the internet isn't real social performance where everybody is now spending more time as their online persona, which can still, as I've said, feel very much like a lot of people think like, it feels like this is the same person as me. I don't feel like there's a difference, but as you even kind of mentioned when you're talking about mirror neurons, it's kind of impossible for it to be exactly it's, you. It's impossible. It, it, yeah, yeah. It, it's one of those things where where even, no matter how much you feel like you're pretty sure that it's still you, if you're interacting with people, you can't have the same interaction online with a faceless person through comments that you can have face to face where those mirror neurons are going to activate and other systems as well. And so yes. it's it's or even even like you were talking about, if you're talking about something you like and are passionate about you're not receiving the same kind of validation you get from a conversation that sort of like you were saying, it's the equivalent of a bump of Coke or whatever. 
And so a lot of times it can feel like even on things you like that you are just screaming into a void and receiving no social validation in response at all. Whereas just the look on a person's face might have given it to you before. Yeah, precisely. It's funny you say that because when I when I started in radio or when I started filming myself, uh, I I mean, if you go back and watch any of my early YouTube stuff, I thought I was bombing so hard because it was just me in a room with a camera. So when I tell a joke, especially on stage, I'm used to getting that instant validation of a laugh or people's faces or something like that. I can see if they're enjoying it or not. Whereas when it's just you, I'm throwing a joke out there and there's nothing. It's just silence. And and it's terrible. It's because you have no idea if it's landing or, yeah. So I, I I know exactly what you're saying. And also, and also just, I was just going to say, I think that I think that this is a big part of why our misery is growing, why our anxiety is growing. Just think about like think about social life before social the the, the online the, the uh, before the internets. Right. right. We're talking about um, we're talking about a situation where. In the past, you have some expectation of who you're returning to. Your social group is limited, even if you have a lot of friends. And at a certain point, it's like, well, worst case scenario, I could always move to not even like a different town, like a different part of town. And now it's a matter of the entire conversation about you could be happening without you, whether you're on or off. You And then you have to show up. You have to be in this artificial thing. It is this world that doesn't shut down and it is a constant source of energy in your brain. It it, it creeps its way in. You have these because of literal addictions, a literal chemical things that are happening to that you're addicted to. You're having these drawbacks to I need to go and I have to hit refresh on Instagram. I got to see I got to see what what likes I'm getting. I got to see who's on there. I got to see what interactions I'm getting. And we're setting ourselves up to fail because at every single step, it's never enough unless you get like big and famous. And now, oh, apparently someone is at my door. I I will get it in a minute here. But um, uh, it's probably just a food drop off. It is is so – the whole thing's fake. The whole thing is artificial. Right. None of it's right. real. And yet it feels like the most important real thing in our lives. Well, yes. And, and okay. So, so just to piggyback on this, cause there's a lot of really great stuff here and I think I can bring it full circle. Uh, and that way you can, you know, go grab the food at your door. I well. really hope that this is a, uh, like a penis joke or something, but I don't think it's oh, going to be. Oh God, it's not going to be. I'm sorry. Damn it. I don't mean to disappoint my, and, and it's funny. I, I tend to say that sentence a lot when it comes to my penis. There we go. Right. I don't mean All right. To we brought it in. We brought it in. All okay, right, go ahead. We so, lined it up and now uh, put a bow on it. There we go. So here's, here's the deal. And, and here's how it all ties together is that I wouldn't say it's entirely fake. That character that you know, you put on when you're in public, it isn't that it's necessarily fake or artificial. It's that it is just one part of your personality. And a human being ha- is vast. We, we have a ton of different aspects to who we are. Sure. And so, for instance, you know, I, 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 I do this thing when I, when I used to teach in prisons where I'd give everybody a mask this isn't my exercise, by the way. This is a very this is a very popular cognitive behavioral exercise. You take a mask, and on the outside, you write all of the things you want people to. Okay, how you want to present? I'm gonna yourself mute. To I'm people. gonna. I'm- 
I'm going to go get the stuff at the door because they're apparently waiting for me. One sec. Okay, 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 good. I'm you keep finish. going. Yeah, I'm going to finish talking about this. Um, so anyway, you you put on a mask and on the outside, you write all of the things that you want people to see about you. That's, I want to appear strong. I want to appear smart. I want to appear sexy. I want to appear interesting. I want to appear funny. And, you know, these are all the things that we put on kind of the outside. And there are aspects of ourselves that satisfy that. We can do that. We can put that on or we can try. And then behind the mask, on the other side, you write all of the things that you don't want people to see. You write, this is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm scared or I'm jealous or I'm angry or I'm, I'm, I'm vulnerable. All these things that you don't want to be exposed to others. You want to effectively hide. And when you understand this concept, this, this fact that we all have so much in us some very good, some very bad, some confused, some interesting, some uneducated, some highly educated, and everybody's walking around with that, you start to realize that social media, especially things like Instagram or Facebook, is completely tailored. It's an amplified version of that exact principle. So for instance, people only put on their social media what they want you to see with Instagram. You only get to see the pictures of my life that look amazing or interesting or fun and all of this so that I can be that representative of myself. I want you to see and effectively you're hiding all of the other stuff. You're hiding your fears. You're hiding your, your insecurities. You're hiding your problems. You're hiding the issues you deal with. You're hiding the, the problems with mental health. And, you know, it's kind of like Chris Rock said, he said, when you go on a first date with somebody, you're not going on a date with them. You're going on a date with their best representative. Yeah. And that's what we put forth. We put forth our best representative on social media, whether or, or in public, and we hide all of the stuff we're ashamed of or scared of people to find out. But another saying we had in prison is there's only two kinds of people in the world. Those who admit they're fucked up and liars. Yeah. Because well, everybody's fucked up. Everybody's got stuff that they're hiding. Everybody's got stuff that they don't want people to see. Everybody deals with some kind of mental health issue or another. Nobody comes from a perfect home. Nobody's life is exciting or beautiful all the time. When we wake up, we all have snot and spit and our breath smells terrible and we look ridiculous and we have to shower it off and get painted up and get ready for the day. But the point is, is and this is where I mean, I'm going to bring it full circle is now with the issue with cancel culture is that when somebody builds themselves off their best representative, like, Oh, I love this person because I like who they are and blah, 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 blah. And they may believe all those things that they stand for, or they may fight for these things, but that's the one we see the second we start digging behind the mask, the second we go, wait, but what are they hiding? The issue is everybody has something that they're either ashamed of or afraid sure. about or whatever. And so in this idea of instead of let me get to know you in all of your complexity, it's let me 
you better be what you rep what you present or else we're going to completely annihilate you. And, there, and, that's, and there's, and, there's another, there's, there's actually like kind of another point in all of that where it's when we talk about, and I'm not saying don't have an online social life. I'm saying a lot of our misery I think has gone, has increased so much because during the pandemic, we basically all only had our online social lives and that we switched right. entirely to that. And when you talk about the points you're just kind of making right now, it's, there is a situation where in real life, it takes way less time and way less interaction with the person to feel a level of comfort and safety to where certain walls can come down, certain guards right. can drop. Online, right. you might never experience that. Ever. Or or when you experience it, it took a lot longer. And then a lot of times it still ends up biting. So because just imagine when it's like, oh, right now it's actually more fun or popular to call so-and-so out. And I'm not even talking about public figures. I'm talking about this happens in, in, in much, much smaller communities. Oh, well, this person dropped their card around me. I've never actually met them in real life. I don't have that sense of this is anybody but an NPC that I became attached to. And at one time I thought they were my real friend. But now that I can use this to join what looks is going to be its own dopamine hit, my, uh, you know, participating in this. And it, it, yeah, those walls and guards can virtually never come down. Right. It for in a lot of those situations. And sometimes we drop them anyway, and sometimes it bites us and sometimes it doesn't. And that's, that's another thing where like, I, I'm talking about the artificialness of it all, where it's, it's not to say that something can be artificial uh, as far as like a performance or whatever, in that you have to hold back exactly. so much more. So it, it's like, right. no, that is authentically me. But is it more than 5% of you? Is it more than 10% of you? And don't get me wrong. Even it, with the people I am the most comfortable with in the world, I still hold back to at least 10% of myself. Sure. Right. We all have right. that little bit, but it's the flip. It's online. You see 10% of me. Right. Not well, I hold back 10% of me. Well, it's, it's like this. It's, you know, and it, it, it's one of the reasons that I'm enjoying this conversation so much. And it's also like in my relationship with my partner, I'm a comedian. And so what people see a lot of times is what they want, what they pay for is they pay for me to come make them laugh, right? And and there is a part of my personality. Yes, I'm very energetic. I'm very gregarious. I can get very goofy. I can come up with witty things. And yes, that's one part of me. And that's a part that is a skill that I've built that's very strong and all this stuff. However, when it happens all of the time, I understand why comedians get so depressed because I'm like, there are so many other parts of my personality than just goofy, silly guy yeah. that I want to bring out and, or that I want, there's so much more that I have to say. There's so much more that I have to do. And that's why it's nice having this conversation. Or a lot of times I feel really bad because like with my partner, you know, when, when it's just her and I, she's, she's, she's kind of blown away by how quiet I am or how reserved I am or how little I want to talk. And she's like, what the hell? Like, you know, why don't I ever get that guy on stage or whatever? And I'm like, because that guy is exhausted. I've exhausted yeah. that part of my personality. Yeah. The battery's and gone. Now, yeah. And now I'd really like to exercise the person, my part of my personality that likes tranquility or likes peace or likes relaxation, you know? And, and, and my point is everybody is super vast. Now I, I have to clear something up because 
our society has framed this cancel culture argument in a way that is very unwinnable and in, on both sides. And what I mean is you're either against cancel culture or you are pro-deviant behavior. Oh, yeah. I, I would even go like, so for myself, I I almost see it as a little bit worse where I'm like, I actually think speaking out against the way we talk to each other online, even when we're wrong, like it's one of those things where it's like, I actually think this is a humongous problem that uh, I'd love to talk more about and I would love to call out more. But at the same time, you're like, but we've reserved... It's literally like, no, 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 no. The only people who do that are people who have been canceled and are and are like, you know, justifiably canceled. So it's literally like, okay, I want to speak out against it. But if I do immediately, I'm now associated with like Ben Shapiro, Jordan Peterson, fucking uh, David Silverman lately in the atheist community. I'm sitting there going like, no, all those fucking people suck. And I want to talk right. about how much they suck while also talking about a topic they like to talk about, but talk about it with the nuance that they are missing. And so, right. it, but it, it immediately becomes a, the rush to associate people with others so yes. that you can dismiss them is a, a systemic issue that is, is ruining discourse. Well, well it's, it's, it's in-group, out-group thought. There's a great book. If anybody's listening, I highly recommend it. The Social Animal by... David Brooks, and, and it, it essentially it is exactly what it talks about. Human beings are social creatures. We're pack animals. We are designed to be social. Now, that doesn't mean introverted, extroverted. That, that if you like spending time alone, that's okay. That's you spend time alone, you know, or if you're like, I hate people, that's okay too. But we are designed to, our, our brains are literally, uh, have, have evolved to crave social acceptance. So for instance, my son, my son is very quiet. He, he, he hardly, I mean, if you're in a group of more than three people, he will hardly say more than 10 words, but, but he's an extrovert in that he loves being around people. He's more comfortable when he's around you. He doesn't need to say anything. He doesn't need to speak, but he's just, he likes being around. He likes being included, but he doesn't have to want to feel pressure to, to speak or entertain. And that's fine. But the point is, is that when we exclude people, then you're essentially saying you're out of the group, you're cast off. And that creates tons of pain and discomfort in us. And then what we have to do is we have to go find our group. And what we, what people have done is, if well, now I have to go be with the outcasts or I have to go be with the ostracized or I have to go be with, you know, these people that are, that are social pariahs. Yeah. And, and. And it's unfair, and it's unfair because of the framing. Here's what I mean. As a society, as a system, there are things that I am so happy that cancel culture is stamping out. I am happy that we are saying we're going to stand up for the LGBTQ community, and we're not going to allow people to perpetuate their abuse. We're not going to allow people to perpetuate their their, uh, oppression. Same thing with any community or whatever. We're not going to stand for it. And especially with women, we're not going to be okay with people, uh, with, with a system that has allowed power to corrupt and, and people to be hurt and women to be hurt or women to be objectified or subjectified. The point is all of that is absolutely like, yes, a hundred percent. Let's stamp this out. But 
what, what I what I'm never going to be on board with is going, hey, this person has perpetuated this terrible act, and yes, they there needs to be a punishment, there needs to be repercussions, there needs to be consequences for their actions. However, when it comes, if canceling somebody equates killing them, I will never be on board with that because what I want is for, and you and I have talked about this privately a lot, as Martin Luther King said, like the disease of their racism or the disease of their sexism or the, 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 the issue they're facing, I want that to be corrected sure. and healed. And it has to be corrected via the victim as in, and they've got to, you know, apologize. They've got to see what it is they've done. They've got to suffer, like see the consequences of their actions and then start reforming. But after reformation, they have to be welcomed back into society or else we're essentially living in the witch trials. Again, but, but even, even that any mistake you're burnt, even that suggests they have to be welcomed back into society. The, the level to which like when people think a person should be ejected from society it, the, that bar is already way, way, way too low. That bar is, and then it doesn't even just become the bar of when we think that person has done so much wrong, we have to take some so, some some version of their social existence away from them. Uh, it's anybody who then associates of, we've all gotten together and agreed that this person is the worst, and we've used these reductive labels that we're just going to describe them as, we are going to eliminate any amount of their humanity. If the person tries to remind you of their humanity in a, a desperate call of like, guys, this is fucking horrible. I am a human. We're going to make fun of that. But also now anybody who doesn't sufficiently publicly uh, uh, disclose that they are done with that person, uh, those people we're going to go after. Anybody who continues to still appear to have any kind of relationship and friendship, we're going to cancel by association. That is something right. where it's like, where do you expect this person to go to get better? And the thing is, is that the, the culture we're talking about isn't when you say like the parts of cancel culture, I like those aren't what I call cancel culture. That's the, I mean, that's the cancel culture is this, we determine who gets to still exist in society. Otherwise yeah. you have to go and, you know, we'll also say like, Oh, all you have to do is prostrate yourself. You just have to go out and publicly humiliate yourself, say all the things that we say you're supposed to say in the situation. And then if you do do that, we're going to say you're just trying to save face and we're actually going to reject that too. Right. It is this unwinnable proposition where it's, it's you are, no, we have decided that we will only be satisfied if you are essentially, um, Essentially, we're I, I'm trying to even. Th I, I I have the the like the the concepts in the word. Like you, you need right. to be homeless and dying in a ditch, basically. Well, and it's 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 even more than that. Like, let me. I'll, I'll bring a real life story into it. Is and, and you know at least part of this story, but you're gonna know who I, exactly who I'm talking about. But but so so I had you know a friend. Let's, let's that, make it the uh, the abridged version so we can close this out here. You so, got it. Yeah. So I had a friend. Um, that, that I've been friends with for forever and, and very unlikable person, <laughs> you know, yep. like known as a bully. You already know who I'm talking about. Known I knew who you were talking bully, about when you said, 
when you when you said you were going to use a real life example. Yeah, 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 yeah. So so the point is the point is it was it was kind of known that this that he had he had uh, forced himself on somebody when he was fourteen, and also that um, you know everyone knew him as like not a great dude. Now I knew that I've seen his personal life and the horrors of you know, his family life, not making excuses for him, but I always, I'll be honest. I always took pity on him and I always felt bad that he didn't really have any friends or anything like that. And so I wanted to bring him in. I wanted to, to, you know, be his friend and all of that. Cause, cause I could tell he was, he was, you know, an outcast. And I felt like that's where all of his outbursts were coming from. Now, it came to light. We, we started a comedy club and he, he was performing a bunch at the comedy club and, he was on all the flyers and all the stuff. Well, then his, um, the person that he had abused came out and said, this was the account of my abuse. And then a relationship he had had for six years had come forth and been like, these are all the instances, of the times he abused me. And then somebody, uh, effectively, you know, they were like, screw this guy, get rid of him, all that stuff. And then they called me out like, hey, are you going to still work with this guy now that all this has come to light? And admittedly, I never knew the extent of any of the stuff. And after reading it, it was horrifying. Now, here was where I stood was there, there was stuff where there were people that were like, you know what? He's a nice guy. I'm sure he's changed. Just get over it. And I didn't like that because that that made essentially what it did was it told the women, Hey, we don't care about you or what you've gone through or the horrors that's happened. So, you know, ah, well, not my problem. Get over. And I, and I couldn't, I couldn't go down that road. On the other hand, though, there were people who, and and understandably, because they were hurt, like friends of the victim and stuff who said, they literally said the words, I will not be happy until he kills himself. Right. Like I will not be satisfied until I think the exact words were until everybody has said, fuck you. And he realizes he's a piece of shit and he jumps off a bridge and kills himself. Now, the thing is, I understand that that's coming from hurt as well. It's coming from a place of justice and retribution. They say this person has done something that's that's wrong and caused damage. And I want some kind of justice. Right. For but that. it's and, also, and but there's also, but there's also a shallowness to it because people don't really consider the repercussions of that because I never did anything like what you're describing. But if you remember right. when people were mad at me about some stuff, uh, I played for you the voicemails of yes. people telling me to kill myself. Kill yourself. I, you know, end you it me. was, you I think the big me. phrase, end it, just end it. Yeah, you, you, you played me stuff of people saying like, you know, they can't wait for you to die and they like, you know, you are this awful, terrible human being and and all this stuff. And it's like, and if you actually get down to what the topic is about, really minor stuff that fucking shouldn't matter. And, and I know I've made mistakes and obviously I'm not a perfect person and stuff. And one of the biggest mistakes I made was ever allowing my personal life to intercept my online life. Uh, because, because again, people, when you are in any sort of public light, feel an ownership and a possession of you. Uh, and, and it's, and then when the people are motivated to hate you, they can change any detail they want to recharacterize you however they want. Uh, and so, yeah, it is, it is this, it is this thing of like, 
So as far as people's personal lives go, their friendships go, to some degree who they work with, though if you're talking about a public platform, that's something you have to consider differently and you have to consider whether or not that's appropriate. Uh, the idea that anybody who has done anything short of a crime that should be literally removed from society because something is so heinous should now not be able to basically, what is the difference? Like if, if, if we're saying somebody doing such and such isn't illegal, but it's so immoral, we should criticize, we should cancel them. And cancellation is essentially a type of imprisonment. It's still a, a a removal from society, a removal of rights to privacy, a removal of all all kinds of things. And well, real quick too, there is no satisfying, not even everybody, but the people who are, who have decided, Oh, I'm on the opposition of this now go. And I won't be satisfied by anything because frankly, honestly, Dom, let's say that person said, I won't be satisfied until he kills himself. Let's say he had killed himself. Would he, would that person have really been satisfied or would now it have gone? Ah, well, Time to continue on to the people in his life and around him and the other people that we can hold to this right. because I'm not going to let myself feel bad for a second when uh, if, or, if this were to happen. Or if anybody, let's say he did kill himself and then there were people who, who loved him, family members, friends who say, man, I'm really sad that he's gone and share these good memories of him. Then do we go after them and say, right. fuck, l- listen to you. Like this guy did this because he was a bad person and now you're perpetuating his legacy. You're, and the you're, you the worst part too with the internet is a lot of people's conspiracies would be, oh, he only killed himself to make us feel bad. Sure. He yeah. only he only did this to get sympathy. It was an abusive move. But, but yeah. here's, here's this was point. This was a manipulative suicide. He, like here's, going back to what I said before, the thing is everybody is, listen, everybody has vast parts to their personality and it is possible for somebody to literally be a murderer and still be say a loving father it is absolutely possible for somebody to be a a uh you know a thief and still be like a caring brother or sister and and and, and dom and is just saying is, let's be nicer to the murderers no well, here's, what I'm saying. <laughs> here's what i'm saying for those who know me i spent five years teaching in prison and the, the, i would not be doing the work i did in prison if i did not believe in rehabilitation exactly you know and so and so the point is is that and rehabilitation does not have to take on this element of public humiliation public it, it, it really is what today's today's cancellations are yesterday's public executions it yes, is a spectator exactly. sport of seeing a person's life end and, and and then that's it and so here's what i said like when i worked in prisons this is what i would argue when i would go in front of congress or like not i mean city congress and talk about uh prison reform is look the, the court system has given a term on the amount of time this person has to be punished for. This person committed a crime, and when they committed that crime, they said five years or six years. Now, the person has served that five or six years. They have paid their debt to society. But what we say as a culture is, okay, yeah, but since they're a felon— even though they've paid that debt, they're never allowed to vote. They're never allowed to get a job. Right. They're never allowed to do anything. And so what we're effectively saying, it's like if a child does something wrong and you as a parent say, okay, you're grounded for two weeks, but also you're not allowed to eat for the rest of your life. And that doesn't make any sense. Like a punishment, one, the punishment needs to fit the crime. But two, once the, once the, once the, 
that is served, once the, the punishment is served, then there has to be a level of rehabilitation and reintegration. And what we're doing with cancel culture is effectively what we do with prisoners just without the prison sentence. Exactly. We go, and sometimes right, listen, including you're not it. allowed Almost. to get a job. Exactly. Yeah. You're not allowed to get a job. You're not allowed to do this kind of stuff. You're not allowed. Your voice doesn't matter anymore. You know, and but but here's what it doesn't do, because I got this in the jails all the time, too was the backlash I got was me going, they're going, oh, so what about the people that have been hurt by the prisoners you're helping? What about the people that have been, you know, if they are a murderer, what about the the murdered or the, or the family or things like that? And what it is, is it's all about, one, when you really hear their story, when you really hear what they've been through, the situations, all of this stuff, you realize, once again, it doesn't make an excuse, but it's the same reason why we love watching movies about complex characters like Walter White or Scarface, is that you can see the struggle they've been through and why they made the choices they did. That doesn't mean it's okay, but you start seeing why. Yeah, And, and certainly then, violent crime is different than these other, <laughs> than other right. things where right. it's like, right. a, it, yeah, it, it's, there is certainly a higher and different standard too, that we can acknowledge that like, also when we're talking about something that was like a murder, yeah, you do have to have the consideration of what about that. But at a certain point, if right. it is something more like a theft or uh, one of the great many interpersonal things people get canceled for instead of going to prison for, uh, at a certain point it has to go, even if that person hasn't forgiven them, this person has done what they need to do to be able to move on with their yes. life. And, and that's the thing is that, is that, you know, at the end of the day, what, what I realized, like, and, and, and psychology backs this, is that the, the, there are two key components to, uh, um, I guess you could say reciprocity. The two key components or to mending broken relationships is one, the, the guilty party has to own up as in they, they have to take one, they have to take accountability and they have to take responsibility. And then, well, and before we the, pass on from that too, accountability and responsibility, there's a lot of people who go, I never publicly heard these words. And it's like, Sorry, if you aren't directly involved with that situation, you aren't entitled to be a spectator to these things. And that is a big mistake a lot of people have where they're like, oh, yeah, no, this person, sure, I'm going to say that I believe in rehabilitation as long as it meets my standards. And it's like, bud, you are fucking nobody to this situation. <laughs> yeah. You right. are not right. in any way like this isn't your uh, uh, thing to receive, to give forgiveness on. This isn't your thing to approve rehabilitation on. And furthermore, the level of scrutiny that you are trying to put on this individual and promoting, you would, it would be your actual life's nightmare if that level of scrutiny turned to you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And what it is, is it's, it's saying, listen, we you you acknowledge. What's okay, been wait, done. wait. I'm gonna ignore. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna interrupt you one more time because of a mm -hmm. comment somebody put. Uh, mm -hmm. And again, we're not gonna respond to comments a lot. But they said, "I love this format. I'm enjoying the conversation." That being said, I would love to hear Don be able to make a complete thought. LOL. I love you, Jimmy, but you interrupt him a lot, and I feel for you. However, we only we were supposed <laughs> to be done uh, at after one hour, and we're coming up on two. We're coming up on two. If I do and not, I will... Dom will go on for yeah, literally. I ever on I any will, point. 
I will say this. I will say this in in Jimmy's defense, and I and I have to tell this to. Uh, um, I have to tell this to all of my friends and family members. If you don't interrupt me, I will not stop. Yeah. And, and For every okay. interruption you see, you don't see my mind going like, I wonder how many minutes I'm going to have to wait to get this point out. I had <laughs> 10 minutes ago. Uh, yes. No, I know. And we got to yeah. wrap it up. But here's, here's the yeah, last. Yeah, do wrap it up. Get, get part yeah, two in there. Yeah, do wrap it up. So going back to my friend that I was telling you, you know, telling you about who's, who was, you know, his, his abusers came forward. What I said, because the question came to me is, are you going to work with him again? And here's what I said. I said, I will not work with him again until he, one, attempts to make amends for his actions in a way that is satisfactory to his abusers and also starts making uh, actual actual an actual effort to change so that means if he is done this stuff that means going to therapy that means going to anger management that means actual steps of rehabilitation and then actually genuinely changing to where it's not oh i just did this because i got in trouble and it's now a public thing and this is to save face but to actually say this is a part of my life that i regret or i need to fix or i need to do that kind of thing once he has done that and then has honestly made amends for these wrongdoings, then I'm happy to welcome him back and start doing what I do, which is using comedy and acting and all these things to rehabilitate people. Now, here's why I do not work with him anymore is because after that was offered, he came to me and literally said, I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm not going to apologize to them. Yeah. That was their version of what happened, not my version of what happened. And to be honest, it's just them trying to hurt me because I'm getting successful. So screw them. Let's just wait a month and then I'll come back. And the second he said that was when I was like, okay, I'm personally not interested in working with you anymore. However, the, the prisoners that I work with who have killed and have honestly said, I did what I did because I was young and stupid and a product of my environment. However, now I see how terrible it is. And now I want to do something to make amends. And now I want to come back and I've seen the folly in my ways. Then these are the people that I'm like, all right, let's work. Let's, you know, I can't say that whoever you've done this to can ever forgive you. That's on them. But what I can say is that there is a potential for rehabilitation and there's a potential for, for, um, you know, I don't believe, I don't believe you should be forever judged based on your biggest mistake. Sure. Unless you're Jeffrey Dahmer, <laughs> like killing and eating a bunch of people. It's kind of like, nah, that's you forever. Yeah. That's you. That's you. You know, I'm going to leave, yeah. I'm going to leave Hitler with the Holocaust. You know what yeah, I mean? I'm gonna, yeah. 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 He, he's yeah, not, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. not going to be performing at any comedy club of mine. Right. I know that Dom right. would have him, but even I won't. Though, even <laughs> though I'm sure he'd crush. <laughs> what? Oh man. That, what a remarkably unfunny man. Like of all the things you hear about, he was very charismatic. He was very serious <laughs> and intense. You never heard like, and you know what Hitler was great at? He had a couple of good jokes. He had, he had a bunch of good one-liners. Nobody ever gave him. Any, no one ever gave him credit for one-liners. Yeah. What about? Hey, you know, we say a lot about. Yeah. <laughs> even even your racist uncle who comes to Thanksgiving isn't like. 
Well, <laughs> he was kind of funny though, right? <laughs> we can all agree. Hilarious human being. <laughs> yeah. No, I think everyone's just kind of like, so this guy, like, what redeeming qualities did he have? Well, he really liked dogs. Okay. That's, that's, uh, I think everyone is, that's, that's not that. Also, did he, did he like, like dogs to eat his enemies? Like, what did, what did he like about dogs? Oh, he painted. I've seen the paintings. They're better than I could do, but they're not that good. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a reason he was thrown out of of art school, right? I would, I wouldn't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This whole thing was him angry. <laughs> All right, why does every conversation have to end in Hitler? I, I guess every- I do want to clarify too. When we're talking about cancellation, we're not necessarily talking about every time somebody successfully gets canceled, because it doesn't yeah. always happen. And sometimes there are bad people well- that there are big campaigns to cancel. That, that aren't successfully canceled. But as far as what the actual actions taken during that cancellation are, even against people. So somebody whom I have spoken out against a lot. I have not liked uh, uh, the things she said. I have probably called names. Uh, is somebody like J.K. Rowling. That does not mean that I condone all the ways, the things that were said and done and and the ways the mobs were activated and the specific activity. It's kind of like, and unfortunately we're getting to a world where we don't all agree with this, but it's like, okay, most people would agree that just because she has become a turf and a transphobe and is, and it doesn't mean we should violently attack her. Unfortunately, not everybody agrees with that anymore. And there's actually a lot of people who are like, no, violence is actually called for there. And that's, that is horrifying to me as somebody who, again, has great appreciation for for the philosophies taught by the non-Christian philosophies taught by Martin Luther King. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so there clearly we all have this line where we're like, OK, well, violence, that would be too over the line. There is a lot that happens in these quote unquote cancellations that I would say, like, even little things that have happened to me when people have been mad at me in the past where I'm like, I would have rather been punched in the face. Like right. it, it right. isn't, it isn't. And so we're not literally talking about, and we're not saying that a person's life isn't only how much money they have saying that like, uh, 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 you know, well, they were still rich on the other side. So they, they came out of this, whatever. Um, it's, uh, it, it just isn't tactic there, matters. Nuance matters. Yes. These things matter. And people yes. are like, Oh, so now you're on J.K. Rowling's side, and it's like fuck off. And and, and, fuck and that's right the problem. Going back, like you, like we were saying, the thing with Dr. King is that Dr. King's end goal, his end goal, was for all of us to be together, including the racists. It wasn't, hey, let's kill all these racists. Right. That Malcolm X took that point of view. Uh, at times, he was still like, hey, I'm not going to hurt you, but if you do anything to hurt me, then I'll definitely kill you. But. Um, no, Mal- or Martin Luther King's thing was like, yes, these people are racist. What we have to do is we have to eliminate the racism in them so that we can all stay at the same dinner table, so that we can all be together, so that we can all be welcomed as equals in society without the hatred towards one another or the violence perpetuated on one another. And that's what cancel culture leaves out. The cancel culture does not say let's all eat at the same table after you've had you know these systemic things removed from you or, or these, or these problems you have removed. It doesn't say that it says, it says, let's no, you're not welcome at the table ever again. In fact, you're not even allowed to eat in my presence. Get away from me. You know, 
and and that's a huge problem but like what mandela did the the it the it's called restorative justice that was the the means of uh uh justice that he put forth to to get rid of apartheid and it was exactly that it was instead of you instead of the racist police officers who did these terrible things being executed what they had to do was they were just forced to listen to the accounts of the victims and then afterwards seek genuine apology and the thing was the funny thing was because everyone says well what about retribution what about retribution all right put a ball put a ball on this man you have yeah, you that, have one minute to this end the it. show. All right, go ahead. This is it. The 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 police officers said they would rather choose death. Yeah, some of them did. Yeah. And yeah. so anyway. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's 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 the people we admire the most in the past for their activism for the changes they make. Uh, n- none that I have seen represent well a lot of what we're seeing now as far as how we're treating each other. And the thing is, is we're putting out these things of the way we treat the people that we think are in the wrong and we are the person in the wrong to somebody else. Now, certainly there's the, there's a chance that one of us is actually right, but that doesn't matter because this perception trumps reality every time. And I think that that is a large part of why we are all so sad. Anyway, this has been the premiere the f- episode numero uno of sometimes with jimmy and dom dom say goodbye bye bye everybody it's been a lot of fun